We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody. We are the Pettiest Bills Podcast. I'm not bright enough for all of that. Drew Gator. Because I thrive off negativity, it's just more hackery from a charlatan and a carpetbag. The Rock Pile Report. Oh, my blood pressure's rising. He gave him Coors Banquet beers out of spite. The Pettiest, Hardest Drinking Bills Podcast. I'll go to hell and back just to prove a point. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Pal Report. I'm your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's our producer, Chris Kruger. It's Dolphins Week. It's Dolphins Week, y'all. The thing that we used to look forward to in elementary school, you know, Squish the Fish Week. You guys probably didn't do that in Atlanta, did you? No, I did it here because I w- was in third grade up until we left for Atlanta. So third grade, first, second, third grade, definitely Bill's gear at school. Here's what I question. For those of you who uh, have children currently in school, are they still doing that? Like, I remember as a kindergartner. Yeah, Benny wore a Josh Allen jersey last week. Okay, cool. But I'm saying, like, they actually used to bring in, like, people to paint our faces during lunch, and it would be, like, of a, like, or, like, give out, like, temporary tattoos, and it was Buffalo's, like, pretty aggressively stepping on dolphins, and, like, they really promoted the whole squish the fish thing. I would think in North Collins you would give out real tattoos. Funny thing, I, <laughs> funny thing, I started, my elementary school career actually started in Springville, New York. With, that's kind of where I started off. Now, you having lived in Boston, did you also attend Springville? No. Where'd you go? Boston Valley Elementary. Ah, uh, okay. Because I lived in Boston. Ah, okay. Well, I lived in Boston, too. It's right at the bottom of Brown Hill Road. Hmm. And you didn't go to Boston Valley? No. Went to Springville. Weird. Yeah. So, any event, it was a big to-do. It was Squish the Fish Week. And they had all these things. But like I said, it was very aggressive, the messaging of it. And I I think back to that now and I go, Chris, I don't know that we're allowed to encourage children to squish bugs, much less like marine mammals. Yeah. (laughs) 
Like, I just, where is this? When can, would it take, like, the reignition of a real hated rivalry with the Dolphins in order to get some of that back? Like, what would it take for us to get back to that point where it's okay to advocate for, like, anti-Dolphin sentiment? It should be right now. What we should be doing, if you work, like, an office job, you should be able to dress that way that you did in elementary school like you should be able to bring like uh i could see you somehow acquiring like an actual dolphin and then just <laughs> gutting it at your office in a conference room just gonna field dress it in here yeah yeah i could i could see you doing that we should be able to do that now as adults i did you know what this happened to me the other day so we needed in the studio some fresh Montuckies. So I went up to Premier Gourmet, and then I left, and I was like, you know what? Fall's coming. I, je- I usually almost always wear, like, dress socks. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to go get some. Marshalls is around the corner <laughs> on the boulevard. I go there. There's, like, a dude in his 60s, Dolphin's hat, Tyreek Hill jersey tucked in. That is like a huge jersey foul. You tucked your jersey in? To your jeans. (laughs) I was going to get a picture and put it in our group chat, but I I couldn't, I didn't have the correct angles. No, that's just where you walk up to another person and you say, listen, I know this is weird, but you just snap the photo and then walk away. Sorry that this is upsetting to you, but the thing that you're doing is upsetting to me. Rather than address it with you, I'm just going to take a photo and make fun of you behind your back. Like, I remember being at Good Times back in its heyday, and there was a guy at a table next to us and his friend, and they ordered wings. And Chris, you remember Good Times. It's pretty cramped in that dining area. Yeah. Like, once once the tables fill up, when the high tops get full, they can get cramped in there. So we're stacked. I'm pro- there's probably only two and a half feet between me and the table next to us. And I look over, and this guy, I have a picture of it still. It's labeled Abomination in our Dropbox. He's using a fork to peel the meat off the chicken wings and then dipping that in blue cheese and eating it. I had a cousin of a cousin do that. I don't know how the family tree dynamics works, but... My cousin. Second cousin. Second cousin. That's mm-hmm. all that. Okay. I met him at Doc Sullivan's once for lunch, and he took a fork and was... Did you leave? Uh, I mean, <laughs> Did you just get up and leave? I don't think I've ever talked to him since, but, you know, it's a second cousin. So he's not a high priority in the family rundown. So much like being the only guy in Buffalo who's got his Tyreek Hill jersey tucked into fucking jeans... I watched, they're kind of the same foul, right? Like, what you're doing is egregious, sir, on multiple levels. Like, I don't even know how to address this with you. So I just pull out my phone and start snapping pictures. And, like, I'm zooming in, I'm getting different angles. And here's my wife going, you know, she's kind of kicking me under the table going, hey, stop it, stop it. He, he, he sees you, he's trying to eat. I go, I understand that he knows I'm here. But this is upsetting to, I go, this is just as upsetting to me as what I'm doing to him. And his friend burst out laughing and was like, nah, you need to roast this guy. I was like, see, 
See, does anybody, do- Chris, you have to, that's how you handle that situation. You just do it. You go, look, I might look like a crazy person for doing this, but I'm only stooping to your level, sir. You are the absurd one here. God, I'm, I tire- are there really Dolphins fans like that walking around Buffalo? Yeah. You know that that guy didn't, didn't wear his Dolphins gear in public at all until like, a year ago, and then he probably put it away during that weird part of the season where they showed their ass. Yeah. <sighs> it's the most insufferable thing. Like, weeds, they pop up. as soon. Like, that's what I hate. The, t- the fan like that who puts all their fandom away and hides it until it's convenient, and then they're like, oh, look, see, we're on top of the world. Cool. Bring me that guy in a month. But God... This is why. See, this is how we get to the road. This is how we get that acrimony back. And it starts this weekend, our week four preview, the Miami Dolphins against the Buffalo Bills. Your time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard, is going to take place at Ralph Wilson Stadium. The weather, Chris, you couldn't ask for a better, like, fall fall September day for football. I would say that we probably are going to wish there was a little cloud cover. Maybe just intermittent clouds, because it looks like it's going to be sunny in 76, which... In Doesn't those, matter to me. I'm not going. In those st- yeah, Who'd you get my ticket to? My wife. All right. Larissa is coming in your stead. Me and Potter and his wife are having a double date. How cute is that? Uh, I mean. I'm going to make them take one of those couples photos with me and Potter. <laughs> just, yeah. me and, just me and Potter in the seat doing couples shit. Weird everybody right out. Yeah, I can't wait to see all the goddamn selfies that Alexis takes. <laughs> I can't wait for her to fight you. Even, I can't wait for her to show dude, you a tailgate even, and fight you. Even I <laughs> have the social acumen to ask somebody to take a picture of me and Jessica. I'm not doing selfies. I'm going to ask an adult... Hey, can you take a picture of me and my lady? I'm not going to be, uh, that's like a, that's got to be like a narcissistic, narcissistic thing. Nobody can take hey, whoa, 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 pictures whoa, 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 better whoa. than me. I'm a narcissist and I don't take selfies. And I don't think it's that. I think it's anybody else. I want this photo. I don't want anybody else's help because I don't want to ask them for it. I'll just take it. Yeah, but I don't want to see your fucking arm. In the photo, with it stretched out because you're trying to do a fucking selfie. Well, the good news is it's not for you, Dick. I love it. Here, you. This is how much you and I butt heads over shit. You've got me defending selfie culture. God damn it! Sometimes I hate you. <laughs> Guys, the weather is going to be perfect. It's going to be a great day. Here's where this gets interesting. The line on this game, the Bills two and a half point favorites, which denotes that. I always find that dynamic interesting, right? Like, because three is what you get for being the home team. Yeah. Even though I feel like that can kind of go away now because week one, we talked about it in the pod a week or two ago. They, a a record, if the Bills had won, it would have set a record for 11 road teams winning in a single week to open the NFL season. And I get it. That's when Vegas doesn't really have things. You know, nobody knows who's who. You just kind of are going off what you can. So that's a little harder to handicap. But by the time you get to week four and you're talking about minus two and a half, it almost makes it seem like they expect the Dolphins to win, doesn't it? No, that's not the right play. Okay. Over under is probably the most interesting thing. That's 54 and a half. That's a big number. 
I think it'll be under. I I have a hard, but you know that that's a byproduct of the scoring that was done last week, right? Yeah. On the call, obviously, we have Romo and Nance, the CBS A team, which yeah. tells you what everybody thinks of the magnitude of this game. Chris, what do we have for a coverage map? It's throughout most of the country. So Honestly, we're the game. Yeah. We're like the one o'clock game. Yeah, it's too many markets. Too many markets to put out there. What do we get at the four o'clock though? Because I know that there's this is one of those weird Sundays where there's nine one o'clock games and you only get one one late game. You only get one late game: New England and Dallas. Ew, fuck! And this is one of those days where having the ticket wouldn't even save me, wouldn't even help me because there's what else am I going to watch? There's only two other games: Arizona, San Francisco, and oh, good. Las Vegas and Chargers. <laughs> I don't think any of those games are watchable. If I get stuck in the parking lot again for another hour, I won't be sad. <laughs> Chris, back in the 90s, a season sweep of the series between the Bills and Dolphins, it was hard to come by. I went back and looked at it. You know, 91, you know, everything was high-octane affairs. You know, outside of the 1991 Bills, it's the only time we won both. 91, it was 35-31 a win for Buffalo. Like, that's it. 92, Buffalo lost what, f week four. It was week four. 22 to 13. And then week 16 was 47 to 34. These two teams, when they were both good, when they were both at their peak during that time frame with, with both team own, teams owning a franchise quarterback, they, these games were must see TV and they were high scoring affairs. And like, I don't know. Like, I, I just think it's fitting that as both teams seem to have finally hit their stride as annual contenders stuck in the same division in the AFC East, they go into the week featuring two of the league's most ferocious offenses. You know, Miami's getting all the headlines for that explosion last week, and rightfully so. 70 points is 70 points. But Buffalo's right behind them as the number two team in the NFL in terms of touchdowns per game. Tua, for the first time in forever has more air yards to the sticks than Josh Allen. But that might not be a great thing in terms of the context of what each team is capable of and is going to try to do on offense. Now, this is just one game. A loss here by either team does not rule out a division title. It doesn't rule out a playoff berth. It doesn't decide anything because it's still September. October 1st is the game. Well, nah. But it's still September today as we're sitting here talking about it. Yeah. And when you win or lose, you're in October. You still have multiple months of football left for things to go really well, things to go really poorly, and for some of your warts to be kind of sorted out. I guess there is some gravity to the momentum for each franchise. You know, for Miami, if they were to win this game, it's going to be proof that not only is their offense dynamic enough to win games against upper echelon defenses and defenses that are loaded with talent, and really good defensive coordinators, proven defensive coordinators. But it also shows that they're prepared to take the driver's seat in the AFC East and kind of play keep away with it for a while. For Buffalo, if they were to come out of this with a win, it would be a signal that this team is everything we were last season, and with a fully fleshed out and mature offensive approach, truly do have not just the defensive firepower to hold some of the better teams in terms of explosive plays, you know, speed, great offensive minds at the helm of the offense. We have what it takes to hold them in check. And we also 
have the offense to keep to play keep away with the football, to put the ball in the end zone, and kind of answer the bell when the offense is required to come over the top. That's the kind of stuff that AFC title game teams and Super Bowl teams have to have. And so if Buffalo can win this game, it's proof that they can play with anybody. They can stop any offensive approach, and that's what it's going to take in order to get to the places that essentially the Bills franchise wants to go at the end of the season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And so we pivot to bring in tonight's guest, the probably still basking in the afterglow, Mr. Elf Artiaga from Three Arts Per Carry. Elf, are you still rolling around in the uh, glory of seven points like a dog that found something bad in the yard? Uh, yeah, but considering that it's like Armageddon here in, in Miami because Joe Cronin is, is a spiteful bastard, you know, it's, it's kind of iffy this afternoon. But we have the Dolphins tomorrow. So we'll go, we'll go back to being happy tomorrow here in Miami. Yeah, the uh, the Damian Lillard hostage crisis is even putting it on Twitter. Man, when I saw that, I immediately thought of you. <laughs> it reached 95 days. Oh, my God. And, it, and he didn't end up a Miami Heat player. No, he ended up with uh, Milwaukee for essentially nothing, <laughs> which is the worst case scenario possible. God, it's, it's, it is the worst. So as we bring you in here, obviously everybody knows you. They hear you every week on our AFC's Roundup podcast. You have three yards per carry on Twitter. You know everywhere there's content. You guys have your OnlyFans thing that Pat Cleary is desperately trying to get back into. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he's cussing me out as he's listening to this. Elf, first of all, I want to start this conversation by saying asking the following question: Is Matt Milano, in your opinion, a dirty player? Uh, no, he's a he's he's an aggressive player, but he's not a dirty player. Now, has he had a couple of dirty hits in his career? Yeah, I'm sure almost everybody has. Uh, if you play with, with any kind of physicality, yes. If you're good at uh, your job, you've probably hit somebody in a way that they don't like, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Now, was his hit on Tua dirty last year? It was unnecessary. It got a flag. It got a 15 yard. <laughs> Penalty attached to to the completion. So, yeah, I guess that was a dirty hit. If you want to call a fifteen yard penalty a dirty hit, I'll 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 just venture this into the conversation. We cannot rely like we can't use officiating as the barometer for what is and isn't a dirty hit because like Kareem Jackson should be in jail 
for the hit that he put on, uh, like, uh, well, what's his face there? The tight end from the commanders. Like, that's crazy. And he got fined and it was his whole thing. And it's like, oh, so you're not really going to penalize it. Like, that was a big deal. Those hit. But then I watch another game and I watch almost the same hit happen and there's no flag. And it's like, holy shit, what are we doing? So I think it all depends on who the crew is. And that's why this all this is all very, uh, I don't know what the term is. Uh, it's subjective. It's highly subjective. Now, it's I've seen fodder. Lot, they're, uh, they're trying to get mad at somebody, so they I mean, pick Matt Milano. I mean, there has been a lot of, I mean, because think about this over the years. If we went back, there was probably a lull between our two franchises. How long do you think it went before you guys had a truly aggressive player on your roster? Like, like Christian Wilkins level aggressive. Who was well? The- he got he got here four years ago. Uh, Rashad Jones was a really really good player. He was just on very mediocre to bad teams mm-hmm. when he was here. But he was a, he was a big time hitter. He was a really good player. Cam Wake was a really good player, but he wasn't you know he wasn't a menace. Yeah. Sue was only here for three seasons. Yeah. Who's who's the last guy? Like when I think of Dolphins player, who was that guy? Brian Cox. <laughs> Is it Brian Cox? Well, that's one for sure. But uh, yeah, even our best players really weren't like that. Although you know Zach Thomas used to smack the hell out of people, but you know he wasn't that kind of player. Neither was Jason Taylor or well. any of our any of those cornerbacks that we've had. You know um, Sam Madison, Sertan, uh, none of those guys. Like it really like. A thumper, Rashad Jones. Yeah. Like, that's that's pretty much and you the think, last one. Well, and you think back to the era when this kind of stuff was... Because, like, you think back to the Bills when we were going back. We were just talking about the history between our franchises. In the 90s, when we were trading blows you know, year over year over year and jockeying for position, it was Bruce Smith, it was Andre Reid, it was you know, Lofton, and it was all of these players that made the Bills great, but none of them were ever labeled as dirty. And that's why this Matt Milano thing is so interesting to me, because I look at that and go, you cowards, Brian Cox, like everyone has talked all week about this idea. I don't hate the Dolphins. Oh, I don't hate the Dolphins anymore. I will never not hate your team, like or at least hold a little bit of acrimony because of Brian Cox. I found myself once rooting against the Carolina Panthers, and I couldn't figure out why. And then one day during a broadcast, they were like, oh, Brian Cox Jr. with the special teams tackle. And I was like, that's why, because there's fucking kids there. And subconsciously, I was like, well, fuck that team. <laughs> fuck them. I hope nothing good happens to them ever. It's you, we, we have this, and I'd like to see. I, I argue we should reignite this. Like We should have more acrimony between our fan bases when these weeks roll around. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that that's that's on the way, and it could be on the way sooner that, rather than later. <laughs> well, it, depends, just... <laughs> it depends on how Sunday goes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that the acrimony is here. It'll be here. And if what most of us are expecting, which is a, a pretty close finish in the division for this season, happens, then, yeah, it'll it'll foster from there, of course. Can't wait. Now, as we dive into some of the just some of the previewing of what we can expect to see or some of the thoughts I have about this game, I want to start with the offense, because obviously that's the story, right? Unprecedented success. And it's primarily linked to scheme, right? Like these are predicated throws. He's not a one. He's not one reading us. I've read a lot of that bullshit this week, too. 
No, he's got one read and he just throws to a spot and a guy catches it. First of all, do you know how fucking hard it is to throw to a spot for a guy like Tyreek Hill? It's not easy. But they have some predicated spot throws. They also are using the most pre-snap motion in NFL history. 59% of plays, both run and pass, involve somebody motioning around the formation to pull a safety, to pull a linebacker. To... It's it's incredibly intricate to watch. Like if I go back and I re, you know I go to Game Pass or well, what is it called now NFL Plus, and I watch the game and the way they're manipulating the defense pre-snap, it's it's incredible stuff. As a Dolphins fan who, especially a guy like you, watches a lot of film and breaks that stuff down, what is the difference between this year's offense and last year's? Uh, well, there's first of all, there's many things. Uh, the main difference is there's an increased talent level on this year's offense over last year's offense. Second of all, last year's offense had a lot of motion that was uh, flipping the formation or across the formation or reversing the formation at uh, right right before the snap or at the snap. This year, it's a little bit more different. It's it's a little different. It's more static. It's a lot of short motion. Um, they've actually dug deep into the analytics. I said before in a preseason, uh, before a preseason game, that it should be a crime for Miami to ever line up in two tight end sets. That they should be in their twenty one personnel and their eleven personnel the entire game. They've done that. They added a little bit of twelve personnel this past this past week because they started running the ball more. But that was because they were up a million points and they wanted to get <laughs> yeah. Julian Hill some run. And by the way, Julian Hill, good blocker. Uh, he's actually he actually got here with a reputation as a really good receiver, but he's actually pretty damn good blocker and actually completely clueless in the pla- in the passing game. Uh, Tua threw him a ball and he just stared at it like you're actually throwing me the ball in in in, in the end zone. So. <laughs> It's a talent difference, and it's a complete philosophy change as well. Um, they do a lot of three-route stuff. And remember what I told you. Um, the Death Star is now fully operational. They're mm-hmm. running the football, and they're running it as part of their ethos, not as an afterthought to their passing game. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was something that last year was really lacking. You know, they they'd talk about it. They'd say, "Hey, we're going to commit to this running thing," and then the second they got into the weeds, they'd say, "Fuck running, <laughs> we're done here. We're just going to chuck it around the yard." The fact that they're but but again, it looks like your coach has found a way to. Uh, they keep showing that one run that you guys had against the Broncos this past week, where there are already four Broncos defenders out of position before your running back breaks the line of scrimmage. And it's yeah, all absolutely. a byproduct of the pre-snap motion. Yeah, and they had that toss play, which was uh, very brilliant. It was actually brilliant because I talked about this today on, on, on OnlyFans. A lot of teams start seeing like a stacked box, and you think, okay, now we can throw on this. Like, let's call a fly. Let's call a let, let's call a, a slant. Let's let's try to get a shot play in here. And the Dolphins looked at it differently. And it's something that the Eagles have done some of and the 49ers have done some of. Uh, they saw a stacked box against uh, against Denver. They had uh, essentially a stacked nine. They had a guy in every single gap across the the formation. And the Dolphins decided, you know what? Let's use a leverage run against this. And what they did is that they used Tyreek Hill. They put him in motion, that fast motion. And he used that to flank the defense and pick up the linebacker. Yep. 
Because uh, someone has to carry. So when someone peels off to go carry him up the sideline, first of all, you're never going to catch him. But now the fear is, oh, my God, he's breaking open. Yeah. And, of course, the running backs are finding holes, and the offensive line is just playing great football. Like, you know, and Taron Armstead, like, he's capable of doing this every single time, and I don't know how he does it. But the guy never practices, then shows up out there, and he's just mauling people up and down the the field. He even created his own technique on the run game. I don't know if you saw that video that Baldinger posted Mm -hmm. where Teron Armstead decided, okay, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to start slapping away the hands of defenders as they try to, you know, shed on me. And I hate to say it, but it's, I guess, is a good development. But Austin Jackson, good. Austin Jackson finally seems like he's trying. So at the beginning of the season, when everybody, every Dolphins fan was screaming from the rooftop because Austin Jackson's the right tackle and the team wasn't putting a lot of th- a lot of <clears throat> stock into going out and getting another one. It's kind of like the Bills. We have our own problem with the right tackle. And our GM kept telling everybody, calm down. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Now we're all looking back at it going, it's not perfect, but I guess it doesn't have to be <laughs> because it's, yeah. it's working. And and the guys that they've been promising uh, promising us and and telling us that they were going to be this are this now. Connor Williams has played absolutely out of his mind uh, these three games, except for his snapping issues. He has a groin injury, by the way, and that's that's one to, to monitor for for this game on Sunday. Well, this was going to be my question with the offensive line since we're on the topic. This concept that they go, oh well, two has only been sacked once the whole season. There's you know no one can get pressure on him. Again, a lot of that's by design. He's throwing the the ball is coming out of his hand faster than any quarterback in football right now. They've said, and "Listen, going farther." Well, and that's it. They're they're saying, "Look, we want you to take a three step drop, but here's where you're throwing it. You're throwing it to a spot that's eleven yards downfield because our guys are so fast they will get there, and we're betting that you can get the football to this location in the hole in this zone defense, which." You know you're going to see, right? Like, the Bills are going to come out and play the Miami Dolphins in zone. Now, I don't I don't want to call it zone, but maybe it's zone match. Maybe it's, you know, maybe they're doing some things where they can kind of sit back and go, we know we don't have the horses to run with your speed. But at the same time, we know that when you sit back and just play a pure zone, you get slaughtered for exactly that reason. Tua can find the hole in that zone pre-snap. If you don't disguise where it is, they say, okay, there's the spot. Or when he's in that 15-second window where he can talk to the offensive coordinator, he's sitting there talking to the head coach going, or to the spotter going, hey, the hole is going to be 10 yards downfield behind the linebackers. Just take a three-step drop and throw it. And he does that, and Waddle and Hill are fast enough to get there. And that's the problem for these teams is you're never going to let them have the top off. It's going to be a two-safety shell. Do you agree with me? It would be crazy to give the Dolphins a single high-safety look. Yeah, absolutely. If if they ever see a a single high-safety look ever again, they'll try a shot play. And Uh, that's it. So they're going to dial that up. So he's gotten really adept at dropping it into those zones before the before the wide receiver's there. And so now the challenge for Buffalo is, how do you compete with that? Not only that, but also, even if you as Sean McDermott say, hey, I need to slow down his processing. 
I need to do some things that might rattle his trust in this system that they've cultivated that's just dominating everybody in terms of their ability to move the football. It's the thing Bill Belichick did, you know, besides have his defensive backs cheat a lot, <laughs> which I know Dolphins fans are salty about, and I, I respect. I also hope the Bills take the same track on Sunday. I hope they're grabbing and clutching and holding every every opportunity they get, because even if we get flagged a handful of times, Chris, remember the Legion of Boom where Richard Sherman was like, oh, no, we knew we were doing it. We just challenged them to not flag us on every play. If you're going to ask me about a Richard Sherman clip, it's the only one I know of is him doing the wrestling promo with Aaron Andrews. <laughs> That's the only thing I know. <laughs> of course it is. You don't even know great. the one where he challenged. Where no. he, he, guys, it came out a week ago. It's actually on our timeline on Twitter because I thought it was the funniest thing. When Trent Williams punched him in the face. He came yeah. walking up to him in front of reporters, and Sherman was so sure of himself. He was like, what you going to do? And he goes, I'm going to punch you in the face. And he's like, okay, go for it. And he did, because the man told you what he was going to do. <laughs> it's probably a bad idea to tell Trent Williams to punch punch you in the face. Yeah. Because he might take you up on it. That was his thing. He's like, I'm going to do it. I'm telling you I'm going to do it. You think I won't because there's cameras and reporters here. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I walked over here to specifically punch you in the face. <laughs> I came here to punch you in the face. Now I'm leaving. Yeah, you got to understand, like right there at that point, Trent Williams is doing his calculation in his head, and he's like, I'm probably going to get fined like about $50,000 for this punch. How much do I make? Oh, I make $24 million a year. You know what? This is really, really worth it. This will be the best $50,000 <laughs> I've spent in a long time. Some people would yeah. buy an expensive steak. Why go, to, like, why go to a, a club? You know, why go to a club or an expensive Hawaii vacation when I could just punch Richard Sherman in the face? And then I can watch it on TV over and over again on replay. Yeah, I can record <laughs> it and just you know, make it a GIF. You know, keep it on my phone. <laughs> Whenever I'm down, I could just turn that on and watch it again. So the thing is. Sean McDermott's going to have to find a way to disrupt to his trust in those just surefire three-step drop throw to a spot. I know my guy's going to be there. Part of that involves the offensive line because our, our defensive line has done a great job of generating pressure without blitzing. We can still commit players to coverage without having to worry about not getting home. Where is your concern level, and where do you think the weak links in the offensive line might be when it comes to matching the Bills' skill set? Well, now that they've they've done this complete 180 as far as philosophy change, they do so much run action. And I'll give you an example, okay? The only shaky time that this offensive line has had were six pass pro sets against the New England Patriots where they allowed one sack to Matthew Judon and one pressure to Matthew Judon in six pass pro sets. Now, why were there only six pass pro sets? Because they did so much run action that they got guys out of position so much that there was really never any real pass rush coming at Tua. Mm -hmm. And when you have a defensive line that far off balance, when you do drop back to pass, it's almost foreign to them. And if you only send four, you're just going to have to pick your spots. If you only send four, then, you know, when you do, when they do do these, uh, these, these drop back passes, they're, they're two and three route combinations. So they're keeping a tight end in and they're keeping a fullback in. 
And since they're always in 21 personnel, Alec Engel is almost exclusively in pass pro the entire game. Okay. So he has constant <laughs> protection, and I would say that the run action is the key in, in all of this. And that's what's keeping Tua clean and what's making the offensive line's numbers so good. Uh, I'll give you an example. Isaiah Wynn, he's been absolutely spectacular, okay? Mm-hmm. He's had 100 pass pro sets, 100. He actually reached exactly 100 this season. Do you know how many pressures he's allowed this season? How many? Zero. All right. <laughs> and so, All right. so it's by design, and it's the run game that is powering all of this stuff. Now, uh, if I were looking at a way that the Bills – can win this game, they must take away the run game. Because if they don't take away the run game, it just gets the passing game into such a rhythm and the offense into such a rhythm that it's almost it, it almost is impossible to stop. Well, and that's the thing I was thinking about today. Like My mind went back to a Patriots game, a Bills-Patriots game. I had seen, you know, it's early on in my season ticket older career. I want to say it was probably 2013. It was after we beat them at home in 2011. I want to say it might even have been the next season. It might have been 2012. We were winning 21 nothing at halftime. And so that's where I'm going, listen, our secondary is ruling this. We're doing a great job. Of... And they come out of the tunnel at halftime, and they go into these 11 personnel formations, forcing us to put Brian Scott on the field as a big nickel. And then they run the ball. And it turns out Brian Scott's a really bad, for being as big as he is, he's great in pass pro, but he's terrible at taking on the run. And they proceed to rack up almost 200 yards rushing in the second half. When we left, the score, they had scored over 40 points. It was 21 nothing at halftime, and we were getting run out of the gym. And it was all because they spread us into pass formations and then ran the football. And I think to myself, for all the fear of the passing attack, I could see this being that type of game again if the Bills allow it. It's going to come down to controlling themselves within the moment, you know, not getting fooled by the motion, but also being able to stay assignment sound despite all of this stuff that the Miami Dolphins are going to visually kitchen sink them with over the course of this. Now, one question I want to ask you when I was going over the skill position player charts you don't have any tight ends with receiving yards. I think there's like two. I was like, obviously Tyreek Hill's the primary engine, Waddle's a threat. And then I start going down the chart and I go, whoa, there is not a lot of passing game involvement from any of these tertiary, you know, secondary and tertiary targets. Does that concern you that a team with talented coverage linebackers and with smart safeties and with good cornerbacks might be able to make some of what they try to do difficult since they don't distribute the ball evenly around the around the roster. Well, they've they've added this passing game to their, their running backs, and they haven't unveiled the, the latest iteration, which is what I saw in the preseason, which is Devon A. Chains uh, or A. Chan because he changed his name after this game. They haven't they haven't unveiled his route tree yet, which I I was privy to in the preseason and in camp. And once that gets unleashed, that'll be a new um, facet of the offense. So they don't lack targets and to throw to. And in that first game, if you remember against the Chargers, Durham Smythe came out of nowhere and, and caught a few passes. That's fair. so. So he's Durham capable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's he's actually been capable 
And they got some – this is a pretty deep wide receiver core. And if you notice, they didn't miss a beat without Jalen Waddle this past week, and he's coming back for this game. He'll be ready for this game. Uh, Ezukama has a neck issue, uh, so he could be doubtful. He was out for this past week against Denver, and Ezukama is, is part of that that running game. Now they didn't need him against the Broncos, but he's been a big part of the running game so far this season. Oh, yeah, no, we talked. There's a reason that they, you know, obviously we've kind of benefited this season from watching both Trent Sherfield, but Gabe Davis having multiple guys who can backfill as great run-blocking wide receivers. It really does pay dividends for an offense, especially if that's what you're trying to use to be the balancing force of your offense. Now, in terms of the defense, where would you, knowing what you know about the Buffalo Bills, knowing what you know about Josh Allen and the way that we're, you know, week one, we tried to do the hero ball Josh Allen thing. I'm almost happy that they did it this way. You know, we kind of made a joke about it in our first podcast. This is who Josh Allen has the potential to be, and he's done it every single year for as long as we've been good. He's had one game where he just goes ham, and he's thrown it around the yard, and he's wild-eyed. He looks like a cartoon character. This year, they've got him more dialed in since that moment than I think they ever have before. And the byproduct has been this ball control offense that can play, you know, they can make the long pass down the field. They can hit a guy on a single high safety if you leave him open. They can, he can scramble around in the pocket, beat pressure, drop a throw into Stefan Diggs in tight coverage for like a 30 yard pass play. And at the same time, he can also just shred you with running backs and tight ends against your linebackers. Where, and just eat clock and put the pressure on your offense to try to respond. If you were the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, how would you be attacking this Dolphins defense? Well, I try to first of all, I try to make sure that they're going to be in some of those shells that they're going to most likely be in, which is those cover six looks. And I would run against Dolphin light boxes. Why? They want you to. And if they're giving you free yards, you take them. Yep. And you try to use that against the Dolphins because. The Chargers did, and it didn't really work out for the Dolphins all too well. No, the, the Dolphins against the Patriots showed absolutely no respect. I did a I did a chalk talk on this where I tried to break down defensive film, and the Dolphins were playing the most vanilla, simple coverages, while after they played some very complex coverages against Justin Herbert. And they just didn't show any respect to the... the <laughs> they New were England, like, fuck you, Nick Jones. <laughs> <laughs> to the New England Patriots... Passing game, and they essentially just did an old Vic Fangio staple. They played pressure five and cover six the entire game. So they stayed in zone, and they rushed five guys, and that was good enough. <laughs> you know, that was good enough to hold them to three points going into the fourth quarter. You know, now they had a little rush at the end. Uh, they blocked the field goal. That gave them a short field. They scored a touchdown, and then they had that one drive at the end. So, so I think against – Against the Dolphins, you have to look for those light boxes and you have to run against them. And you have to keep Josh Allen under center because if he's in the shotgun, it allows a lot of our defensive tackles that are, are, especially Zach Sealer and Kristen Wilkins, who are great at playing the run on the way to the quarterback. And you could tell Kristen Wilkins wants wants his his contract because he's getting a lot of quarterback hits all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know where where that came from. Well, <laughs> I guess his accountant told him, go hit quarterbacks now, please. Well, you heard Dan Orlovsky talking about it this week. 
this idea that that's the that's the recipe for success for the Bills is Josh Allen under center because it's calming for him. It's better for the offense. He gets to see things develop better. To your point, it's you have these defensive tackles who they're like, whoa, you mean I get a two for one? I can chase the quarterback. I can rush, but also I'm good at playing the run. So if he does hand it off to that deep back, I'm going to get him. <laughs> I'm going to bring that guy yeah. down. It's going to force a potentially negative play. It's just this has been, and that's through two games, this 12, these 12 personnel and 11 personnel but under center looks for Buffalo have really given opposing defenses headaches. And I look at this and I look at the linebacker core from Miami. Now, Everything that you guys are doing, uh, fantastic on offense. When I look at that group, I look at a bunch of guys. David Long, you're right. They did move Andrew Van Ginkle. Now he's a pass rusher. He's where he should be. He's A.J. Klein. He's where he should be just as like a Sam linebacker on the line of scrimmage type. Long Baker. Long has 100% completion percentage allowed, 43 yards after the catch. Baker, 118 yards and 93% completion percentage allowed for 85 yards after the catch. We, through two weeks you know, after that Monday Night Football game, have been abusing opposing linebacker core. What is your concern level about that group, and do you see that as a vulnerability that we can exploit? Well, on the on those uh, those stats, it's been three weeks, and one of them was Keenan Allen on David Long right. when they went five wide, and he caught mm. a forty eight yard pass on David Long, and the other one was Eckler on a wheel route for fifty eight yards, I believe it was. Okay, so that was that was in week one. Uh, Baker's actually pretty good in coverage. David Long is not, and that's why he should be in as a fill linebacker, and that's why they should play Javon Holland exactly where they've been playing him which is close to the line, and he's been erasing some tight ends as of late and this season. So, yeah, they're going to have to make some philosophical changes as far as how they've played so far. Uh, they already made one big one, which is playing David Long as the fill instead of bringing him off the bench. And they're keeping Van Ginkle out there as an edge rusher and as a, as a sandbacker. sandbacker. Now, Jalen Phillips is also injured. He has an oblique injury. Uh, that's aided in playing Andrew Van Ginkle correctly, in my opinion. But I think they got to start uh, evolving a little bit more to what Vic Fangio has always traditionally done. And, and that's play a lot of cover six against the, against the Bills. You don't want to get caught too much in cover three against them. And you definitely don't want to play too much quarters. Uh, answer, answer these two uh, and that's something that they did a lot of against Denver. Answer and, these two questions for me real quick. Hmm. The Dolphins can win if, and the Bills can win if. Dolphins can win if they run it, and they run it effectively for at least 160 yards at 4.5 yards per carry, let's say. The Bills can win if they hold them under 150 yards rushing. All right. You think the whole game hinges uh, throughout the wide receiver stats. It's this thing that's going to make or break the game. Yeah, like this thing could be really high scoring. This thing could be 37-36. You know, it, it could be, you know, this game could be played in the 30s, but it'll be predicated on how the Dolphins run the ball because it's a huge part of what they do offensively this season. And we weren't, you know, we weren't talking about that, and we are actually making fun of it after they threw the ball all over the lot week one against the Chargers, 
you know, and they they seem to be almost ignoring the run game. But since that game, uh, we've, you know, we ran into a couple of teams that have decided to play everybody in the parking lot. There's actually one play, which it's hilarious. Uh, Kareem Jackson was lined up 32 yards from the line of scrimmage. Like, <laughs> I don't know how you line up 32 yards from the line of scrimmage and expect to play any pass. So we completed a pass 22 <laughs> yards from the line of scrimmage and 15 yards in front of Kareem Jackson <clears throat> to, 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 to Tyreek Hill, and he scored anyway. So All I can think of is that there was this dickhead that we used to play softball with who they said he knew what he was doing, and as a substitute he shows up, and he's out in the outfield. But where everybody lines up, like if you play a four-man softball outfield, you have your guys and everyone's kind of about, I don't know, to, I mean, I don't play a ton of right field, but I'm out there probably, I try to say about 50 feet, 60 feet away from first base, maybe a little bit farther than that. This one kid is just on an island alone in the middle of the outfield, and we're playing in a field with no fence. Some guy steps up and hits a fucking moonshot. This ball that, I mean, it's a home run on any field that has a fence, but since we don't, this guy's doing the trot because he's assuming that's a home run. Except there's this one idiot out there in the middle of nowhere who comes running in and does a diving, like, dolphin dive catch on the ball. And then wants his flowers when he comes back from the outfield after that inning and goes, guys, did you see that amazing catch I made? We're like, what the fuck are you doing back there? You shouldn't have been there. <laughs> what? Do you know what you're talking? Like, why? You don't know the game if you're that far back. That's the Kareem Jackson play. I watched that and just laughed my ass off about it. The last yeah, thing I'll ask a- you before we let you go. You're a gambling man. You mm-hmm. love action. Are you touching this game? And if so, what do you like? Because the over-under seems, that seems like a trick. That's a slippery fish. And this minus two and a half, Chris thinks it's, Chris thinks it's nothing. Well, I'll say this. I I wouldn't touch the over on this, I wouldn't touch the under, okay? I wouldn't touch the total at all. As far as the line on this game, if you're going to play the Dolphins in this line, just take them outright to win and get yourself plus money, you know? So there's one prop I do love, and that's the over on Waddle Yards. I believe he is at 69.5 yards. Oh, I take the over on that. Uh, for this game, uh, he always has a knack of making plays against the Bills, and I think it'll be the same. Uh, he's been kind of quiet uh, this season, so I think he'll have his breakout game this Sunday. Well, I hope you're wrong. I hope you're wrong about most of this. I hope everything comes crashing back down to earth for the Miami Dolphins. We're here back on the AFC's Roundup podcast next week talking about how great our team is that we're back in the driver's seat for the AFC. <laughs> Either way, where can everybody find you on social media, especially if you're going to take a victory tour, or if you want to talk about how dirty Matt Milano is after he does something crazy in this game and the the, uh, fan base explodes, where can people follow you on social? Where can they find all your work? Well, on Twitter, you can go to, and you can find our podcast pretty much anywhere you get your podcast, and it's the number three yards per carry. That's the number three yards per carry. You want to join OnlyFans and give us money to troll us, you can go to discord.gg slash OnlyFans. And you could give us your money there. Alfar Tiaga on Twitter or X. 
or Elon's thing, whatever. <laughs> what are, what are at, we supposed to call it? At Alf underscore Artiaga, three yards per carry. Find his podcast, you know. You know where to find it. I still think my favorite thing is that his profile picture, like his AVI, is him with Muhammad Ali. That's pretty great. I I just... Chris, this is a tough one. And I think he might be right in that it is it is one of those things where they're, they're going to lull you into believing. I'm sure that the Dolphins game plan... Yeah, Elf had a tweet on Twitter this week where he said... I bet that the Dolphins just emptied the when they saw the opportunity, they emptied the clip on the Broncos just to put all of these plays on tape that the Bills are now going to have to try to prepare for ahead of this game. The idea is fear the pass, but also we will crucify you with the run if we let you because we finally figured out how to do it. Think about what made the 49ers offense so successful, Chris, over the last you know four or five years. It's been the run. And it's not that they had, you know, before now they have Christian McCaffrey. But before they had Christian McCaffrey, they were doing it with pretty average. Raheem Mostert was the guy doing it. He's a fairly average running back. You're not going to take into account that Denver sucks dick? Sure. No, no, no. I'm taking Sunday out of the equation. What I'm saying is... You look at how the San Francisco 49ers operated when Mike McDaniels was a part of that operation. All of a sudden, the run game got really exotic. And they could run with any running back. It didn't matter who. Trey Sermon? Sure, fuck it. That'll work. Elijah Mitchell? Uh, Christian McCaffrey? Awesome. We have one of the most explosive backs. Chris Kruger wants to strap him up and put on. We'll get 10 yards. We can find a way to get him 10 yards because we're going to do it with some motion and some trickeration and we're going to threaten him with things and then give him eye candy and then split it out. And that's why I have a feeling that, well, we all are worried about the Tyreek Hill effect and you still have to be. You have to. It's like it's like the, the Chiefs. You have to always be worried about Travis Kelsey. You're also going to have to be worried that you can't let that run game get out of hand. Remember the time the Chiefs came into town and kicked us in the teeth there back in 2020? COVID, yep. Yep. They ran the ball. They ran the shit out of the ball, and they ran it down our throats for a giant chunk of that game. I don't want to see this one turn into the same thing. And in order to avoid that, we got to do a bunch of things. And that brings us to tonight's keys to victory. Wow, it's a lot of keys. Bigger the keychain, more powerful the man. First one is, I think you just don't give him the fucking ball. You just don't let him have it. Chris, ball control offense and time of possession is going to be one of the key factors of us winning this football game. One of the things that hasn't gotten enough love is we've all been sitting here talking about the Buffalo Bills over the last three weeks of football. Time of possession. The Bills currently are the third best in the NFL in terms of per-game average of time of possession. <clears throat> That's just a byproduct of these long, time-consuming drives where you... you It's not dink and dunk, Chris. We're not running like West Coast-style offense. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is a lot different because they sometimes run with power. They sometimes are throwing to a tight end out of the backfield. Or, hey, here's a shallow pass to a tight end who's going to generate a little bit of yardage. And then, oh, by the way, our quarterback can also just roll out and hit Stephon Diggs in coverage. Or, hey, you left... The the Washington game is a uh, great example of this. 
we're not taking shots downfield. But if you're going to give me Gabe Davis one-on-one with your safety, fuck you, I'm going to take you. And he missed the first one. He missed the first shot he took, which should have been a warning sign to their defensive play caller. Wasn't. We made him pay. The Bills have thrived on this idea this season that even though you're going to run a too high shell, fine, fuck you. I will better your linebackers if they are not great players. And that's what we're seeing. Long, time-consuming drives that end with points on the board, often keyed by either passes to secondary or tertiary wide receiver targets or the rushing attack. You wouldn't have thought that that was the soup du jour for the Bills in the offseason because, in theory, a lot of people want our offense to be what Miami's has been. Quick strike, big flashy plays, light up the scoreboard. They want to see the Tyreek Hill pass in the Chargers game. They want to see this shit. In a game like what we have on Sunday, you can't keep feeding Miami's offense. You have to keep the you have to limit their opportunities. Chris, I think that if this game ends with each team getting six or seven possessions, I think the Bills win. I trust our offense to because theirs is so it's schematic driven. It's system based, it's timing, it's rhythm, and that doesn't hold up for four quarters, that timing, that rhythm. When you're going up against a defense with as many talented players as the Buffalo Bills, there's no way in hell there's... They didn't score 70 on New England. They didn't score 70 on the Chargers. They scored 70 on a Broncos team that is actively... Like, they're in a rut. They are quitting. Those guys quit, and the Dolphins knew it, and they stepped on the gas to make a point. Chris, is there, I mean, obviously you're not team, like, running up the score is bad, right? No, you're fucking adults. Do you know the NFL had an owner's meeting and some owners are miffed that they felt the Dolphins were unnecessarily running up the score? Okay, that's why mental health is such a big thing now. Go to therapy, get it, retire, go to therapy, get it figured out because you're fucking soft. I, we're fucking men, this adult is a game. men. Play the game yeah. or don't. When a softball team racks, it's happened, runs up 40 points on me. My thing is just let me get the fuck out of here. Get me to help me get to five innings. If you know you're better than me, so I can go the fuck home. I don't care if you score 40. I don't care if you score 80. My ego isn't tied to this. These guys, it is. It's their job. It's their livelihood. It's their passion. I understand some of it, but this idea that. Oh, well, they did the bad thing. No, you know who did the fucking bad thing was the Broncos by continuing to give them the ball back. Stop giving them the ball and they can't score 70 on you. Chris, minimum 70 points, right? 70 points divided by seven. That's 10 drives. 10 drives in any football game. The Bills don't normally have 10 possessions in any football game ever. You shouldn't, because it's football. It's supposed to take time. You're supposed to be forced to matriculate. If that team's too pathetic to do it, it's not anyone else's fault. We have to prove that we are much better than... We're much better than the Broncos. We're also much better than what the Patriots did. If that takes some clutching, some grabbing, some whatever it takes, I don't give a shit. You cannot give them the ball back repeatedly. There cannot be... Sam Martin punting six times in this game, or else you will lose. And that falls onto our offensive coordinator. 
where I, second key where I think he can keep this moving is continue the abuse of the linebacker core. I asked about that position specifically because in losing to the Jets, I pointed out that a lot of the success that this team could have had and just didn't capitalize on was running backs and tight ends just open in space, running around, or having favorable matchups against those linebackers. In the two games since then, they've gone full tilt. 17 targets, 13 catches, 116 yards, four first downs, 82 yards after the catch, all coming against linebackers. Rushing the ball against Washington, four yards per carry and 6.2 yards per carry on 10 rushes in the A and B gaps. Five first downs and a touchdown. When we just said, fuck you, we're coming right down Main Street. (laughs) And Chris... It's not like Washington doesn't have a talented defensive line, right? All first-round picks. People want to talk about, oh, no, well, Wilkins is different. Is he different? Is Zach Sealer different? No, they're a very talented defensive line. We have guards that, as we talked about in the recap from that game, are playing maybe some of the best guard play I've seen since the Super Bowl era. So with that in mind, you go back to the Vegas game. 6.6 yards per carry. 6.7 yards per carry on rushes outside the tackles. Five first downs, three rushes of more than 10 yards and two touchdowns. We have what it takes when you stress the opposing defense into, because they know Josh Allen's arm. They've been beaten by it so many times that at this point, it's cannon. And so with that in mind, they have no choice but to play coverage. You're never going to see them dial up a zero blitz. You're never going to you're rarely going to see them give us a single high look or at least do it without knowing they're going to drop another guy back <laughs> because they can't leave that guy on an island or else they'll look like Washington did last week. <clears throat> I think that athletically the linebackers of Miami are okay. They're not special. Neither one of them are Pro Bowl all-star material. They can be coached up, but they can't. Neither one of them are elite athletes. And in that way, we have what it takes to, I think, attack them relentlessly. Especially if they're going to give us, as Elf said, those light boxes. Fuck them. Punish them. Punish them for giving us those light boxes. Let's let, like, Chris, through two weeks, James Cook has just been itching to break one, don't you think? Yeah. He's been right on the cusp of so many big plays. He's right there. You keep giving it to us with not special linebacker talent. They're inevitably going to catch an angle on one of those safeties, regardless of how good they are. And that's that's where I think we can really get this ball control offense off is this idea of attack them, whether it's running backs, whether it's linebackers, whether it's I mean, whether it's tight ends. Passing, running, you have to keep the focus on the middle of the field and dominate that area. Sure, you want Stephon Diggs running open on a, on a deep cross. You want to be able to find that. You want Stephon Diggs coming across the formation on that big catch he had against Washington again. But if they're going to give you easy plays that are layups, you take it and you keep that clock moving. Because ultimately, the first time your defense can make them make a mistake, you're now in the driver's seat and you can continue. It's like the difference between trying to be a Ferrari or a bulldozer. Being a Ferrari is cool because you can get from point A to point B so fast. 
But when you're a bulldozer and then that it, people start to make mistakes and you just keep inexorably moving forward and you keep burning clock and you keep putting points on the board, whether it's field goals, whether it's touchdowns, whatever it is, that's how you get through a game like this philosophically against a team like that. And on the other side of the ball for defense, I think it's going to take almost like Chris, you know, those monks that like swear themselves to celibacy from like a, like a, like I'm a teenager and I'm going to become a monk and I, I am never going to see a nude woman in my life. Yeah. I'm sure at some point someone in your life worried you were going to be one of them, but I bring them up because that's the type of discipline it's going to take in regards to this pre-snap motion that the dolphins have. We are going to have to have that. And if we don't, it's going to be a very, very, very long day. You know, they embarrass the, they embarrass the Broncos with that. It's the reason that at the handoff, there's already three Broncos players on the ground and they've got blockers out in front of them as he's making a 60 yard run. The safeties and linebackers are going to have to give our DBs help and our cornerbacks help. And that's to contain the passing attack. Our defensive line is going to have to show up and knock it out of place, maintain their maintain gap integrity. And the linebackers have to make smart choices because they are going to be stressed. I don't envy either one of Matt Milano or Terrell Bernard coming into this game. They're going to be forced to make decisions on the fly in real time with no communication with the coaching staff between do I attack the run? They're motioning. Is this a run play? Are they trying to get me out of my gap or are they actually going to run to the side of the formation where they're motioning? They're all going to have to process on the fly and read and react. This is going to be a big week for film study and just in the move, in the moment, they're going to have to hold. This is going to be like Mel Gibson in uh, Braveheart. Hold! And people are getting shot with arrows and they're going, hold! Because this is going to be the thing. Do not flinch. Don't take your eyes off the prize. Settle into what you know your job is based on all the film study we've done and what our coaches are telling us and do your job. Because the moment you get taken off assignment or you fall for the eye candy, it's going to have a very negative result for the rest of your defense because you're going to now be out of position. They have baited you into doing what they want. You've vacated a lane, and it's probably a running back. Might be Jalen Waddle. Maybe that's how they clear out that middle zone that they like to. Chris, that play that they converted in Miami, it was like third and 22 when they converted it to Jalen Waddle. Those are the big plays that I was talking about when he says Waddle loves big plays against the Bills. You got to figure that out because it's only gotten worse. It's not better. <laughs> it's only gotten worse. Guys, this is a this is going to be a this is a fist fight. There's no other way to say it. Winner, like I was very confident. I was very confident we would win last week. I just didn't know if we'd cover the spread. Obviously, I'm wrong on that. Uh, the Raiders game, I kind of. <laughs> Was pretty confident that was going to be one we walked out of there with a win again. I didn't. I underestimated the degree we would win that one too. Chris, this is a rock fight. What do you have for your prediction? I think it's going to be low scoring, and I think the Bills will cover to the two and a half. Might be like a four or five point game, something like twenty-seven, twenty-one, twenty-seven, twenty-three type of game. I would take the under and the Bills to cover. 54 is just such a big number. 
Like it's a hard thing to get to. One team almost has to score thirty, right? Yeah. And I just don't know that with either team's defense or defensive coordinators that's possible. I'm with you on that I don't buy the over. I just look at this and I think the Bills can win. Bills are going to win. I think the Bills can win. I think it's going to be another one of those games like we saw in December where it's going to take some hero ball, and that's where this thing breaks. Right? When all this, when everything breaks down, all the systems, all the schemes, everything else, and it's just guys running around playing foot, because it's easy for us to talk about that because it's on tape. But you know what you can't prognosticate? Josh Allen saying, hey, fuck this. Nothing's working. I'm going to run 44 yards down, down into the red zone. And then, oh, by the way, not only am I going to throw to Dawson Knox for a touchdown where he's sliding to catch it, but then I'm going to Superman cape my way over the defensive line for a two-point conversion. And, like, this is how we're going to win the football game. You can't predict those moments, and I feel like our team has more of that than theirs. They have great players. Their quarterback has found his rhythm with this offensive coordinator. What their quarterback doesn't have is the thing that Mahomes has, the things, the thing that Allen has, which is this thing of, I will personally turn this game on its head with a play that you can't predict, with a play that is off script and that no one could account for. We have that in our bag and they don't. I think it's a field goal game either way. I'm not even going to try to predict the score. Field goal at the gun wins this one. Go Bills. Guys, this has been fun. It's been great talking to Elf, but we got to get the hell out of here. Based on the way Chris is pointing at me, I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Week 4 Preview. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.